0: And my friend, Joey, when I told him I was coming on today, he was like, oh my gosh, you know what? I used to think that Chris Weidman was a little douchey.
1: That's the voice of UFC strawweight, Felice Herrig, and I'm Chris Weidman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by BioAccelerator. Felice Herrig is a UFC strawweight. She is a trailblazer for women's mixed martial arts. She's been fighting professionally since 2009. She actually debuted the day after I debuted my professional mixed martial art fight. Um, The first time I met Felice Herrig was on the USO tour. And a USO tour is something that the military puts together where they bring out different athletes or celebrities to kind of go to the Middle East and cheer up the troops, and uh, it was such an amazing experience. We went to Iraq, Afghanistan, um, Germany, Italy, Kuwait, and it was it was it was unbelievable. And Felice was one of the fighters that were there with us, and we got along great. She's an awesome person. She was awesome with the fans, um, and I got to know a lot about her. She has struggled with injuries almost as badly as I have. She's had now two back-to-back ACL surgeries, and it kind of reminds me of my career and the things that I have had to endure. And she really hasn't came out and even talked about it too much. So that's why I wanted to have her on to get her story out there and to help inspire other people. So coming up on today's show, Felice and I are going to have a wide range of conversation. We'll talk about what it's like to be a female fighter in the UFC, how she deals with anxiety, and Felice will also take us deep inside the long and lonely journey of recovery. It's a really good conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get there, I want to tell you about our presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I'm actually going out to Medellin, in Colombia in August to get some help from BioAccelerator. And let me tell you guys, I'm super excited about it because I'm just itching to get back out to train. All right, here's my conversation with Felice Herrig. And remember, if you want to check out some of the video highlights from today's episode, just head on over to my YouTube channel. Do I come off as a douche? Is that is that, is that the way I, I come so. off?
0: Before I met you, like officially, I thought you were douchey too. A
1: douche? Give me the give me the def your definition of a douche.
0: Kind of like walks in a room, thinks he owns it, cocky. But it might be the, the way you talk. You know, Long Island. Yeah. I think people just assume. People put stereotypes on people
1: people hate me too (laughs) well i mean it's hard though because i gotta be confident you can't like there's a fine line of like obviously you got to be humble you gotta be always humble right especially coming from martial arts but then also you gotta like be like i am the man around here you have a little confidence you know what i think it's because of all my mma interviews i probably ever did especially coming up i was just like i would talk super confident i was i was not used to talking trash but i would still try to like pump up fights a little bit i i could see how he came off as douchey to people so i don't mind it but go ahead let's finish it on a good turn on a good note though but so when you did meet me and we hung out on uso tour you you know yeah i wasn't a douche anymore
0: no you're so cool funny like more charismatic than douchey like, oh man i think
1: thank yeah, you like- thank you <laughs> Wow. Well, I was just, I basically just begged for them. So I appreciate it. I mean, you're the first woman (laughs) on my podcast, and the first thing you come out and tell me is that I'm a douche.
0: No, no, no. I said that you were labeled. That I come off as
1: douchey. You come off as douchey. You came on this podcast (laughs) to fight with me. Is that what happened?
0: No. Is this why you were excited
1: to come on here?
0: No, I have diarrhea of the mouth sometimes.
1: No, I love it.
0: That I have said that, but I think it's good. And you're showing through your podcast that you're not a douche, that you're a really cool, charismatic guy who's funny and articulate.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now I'm confident. Um, So, what made you want to come on the show so badly? not not saying that like it was like the biggest show in the world but like you you actually reached think- out to me and, and and it made perfect sense i'm like you know what she would be great you've you've had well first of all like the injuries and everything you've been through uh and even your full story of where you came from and you know everything that you've been through just as a a girl in mma from the beginning is kind of crazy so you have a lot you have a crazy story that i feel like hasn't been told yet that i would love to get into and then uh, you, all your injuries that you've been through you've been through a lot um and i know obviously what that's like and you got the whole world you know criticizing you they're watching you in that cage you know and if you have a bad night you know they're just crushing you and you just gotta be able to stay confident somehow dealing with all that it's not like we're playing baseball where you get to play the next night and and make it up make up for it you know you have to wait until like six months or a year until you heal and then you get to prove it you know
0: i think the hardest part about my injury so the reason why i really wanted to come on the show is because it's called uh, Don't Back Down, right? Or won't, won't Back Down. Back down Walk but yeah, same
1: outside. thing. It's your race
0: song, your walkout song. Yeah, yeah. Won't Back yeah. Down. Yeah. And I, was, I knew that the message was about people who won't back down. And with your you know, recent injury, which was very brutal, sad. But I think the good thing about your injury, if you want to take it with like silver lining, whatever, is that you did get to do it in front of the world. So now it's like you have people that have your back that are like invested in your story and yeah. want to follow your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I tore my ACL and meniscus during, you know, practice. Mm. So it's like, no one got to see it. And then you kind of feel like, you know, nobody cares about your story. Like you're kind of alone. Um, I had a pull out of a fight, you know, because I tore my ACL and my meniscus and, um, And it's, it's, it's hard, you know?
1: Um, Absolutely. It's funny because yeah, I am fully aware of that. uh, Not just with you, but like, I've had, this is my 24th surgery and I've never had people care really. I had neck surgeries when I was a champion. No one gave a shit. They were mad that I wasn't fighting soon. And they were, you know, calling me, you know, whatever, all these different types of names. And it sucked It over, you know, just, it sucks to have to just endure that type of criticism when it's like, bro, do you know what I'm going through right now? Like for you to tear your ACL, nobody sees it really. And you're going through all this rehab, you know, people don't really understand what you're going through, you know? And honestly, that's a big reason why I started this podcast is because out of nowhere, I had all this love and support and people really rooting for me and, and saw me as like an inspiration because I did have this super traumatic injury in front of everybody and they knew that's not gonna be easy to come back from and I, and, and I just yeah. have all this love now and I'm like, you know what? I gotta start a podcast to like bring people on that really their stories aren't being told. You know, and most of the people I've actually had on like worse things than, than me. You know, and it's like I just want to bring it to light because, you know, I don't feel like I'm any more special than anybody else to to get that type of love. But it just happened to be that way.
0: But I mean, if I was you, I would be grateful for that love. You know, it's You feed off the energy. It's just like when you're fighting and you feed off the crowd. Um, I mean, I've even seen like all like this, all anybody could talk about from that night was, you know, your injury. And then all I saw was, you know, just everybody just worried about you and thinking about you and talking about you and praying for you. And, and I, and I think, you know, that that's, you know, a great thing. And I I do wish I had that. I was a little jealous, (laughs) like, Oh man, I wish I, my ACL in front of millions of people
1: I know I know know.
0: (laughs) because then when you're like now my journey journey back has felt like alone you know you you post all these like knee surgery and recovery it's boring you know people want to see the fight stuff they want to see the fight training they don't want to see you oh look I got my bent my knee to 90 degrees today yeah oh look 12 months later I'm allowed to squat you know it's boring
1: yeah I know. And um, there's always somebody else, another fighter that's having a great fight during the weekend, you know, that is taking their eyes away from you. So there's just, as time goes on, it's just part of life is you become less relevant, less relevant as time goes on, as, as yeah. until you're able to get into the octagon again, you know. Yeah. And, but you know what? It's pretty much, it's pretty much exactly how it's going to be when we're done fighting. You know, when you call it quits, it's like, you know, at that point is probably when you're most relevant, especially when in terms of MMA. You know, you could go on and do podcasts and you know commentary or whatever like that. But there's very few guys that really cross over that way. But for the most part, it's slowly, you know, less relevant, less people being excited, less people liking your Instagram posts and commenting. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the life of, the, of an athlete, really. You know, it's a short, it's a short-term thing. You know, all the all the love and all the praise and people being super excited to see you do what you what you love. It's it's short-term which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and you got to kind of find the mindset of like not really caring about what people think or not feeling I think the hardest part for me has been I identify as a fighter. I associate as a fighter. If if I'm not a fighter then who am I? You know, and I've been fighting for 18 years. And and it's funny actually yesterday was the first time I don't know if you've seen it but 18
1: years. From- Gosh.
0: 18 years. Well, I yeah. want to go
1: into that but let's yeah, finish your thought. Keep going. Oh,
0: okay. So, I don't know if you've seen Friday night life
1: Yes. The football
0: yeah. movie Yesterday yeah. was the first time I've ever seen it. I'd never seen it. And boobie <laughs> tears his ACL. And I felt for him because there was a moment where he broke down in the car and he's just bawling, crying to his uncle. And he's saying, what am I going to do now? All I'm good at is football. If I, if I can't play football, then who am I? And I think that that's how fighters, athletes, anybody who do, who does that one thing and does that one thing. Great. Like, and that like you're getting all this praise for it. it's glamorous, you know, like people are praising you for it. And when you, you're taken out of that limelight or when you even just can't do what you love you do, you feel like, who am I now?
1: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, obviously we both know like to identify, uh, like to create your identity based on what you do for a living is not a smart thing to do. It's like, you know, I, you're taught, to- you taught that and you're taught, you better be ready you know, for after your athletic career and start setting up yeah. different things you're going to do for a living because obviously it doesn't last forever. But in order to be successful in MMA and in order to really make it, you have to be so obsessed with it and you have to, that has to become your identity, you know, is I am right. the baddest fighter in the world. And I'm, <laughs> all you do is train, you know, it's to win that training session every single day, you know, and you're obsessed with it. Like every single day, I get like a little nervous going to the gym because a part of me could just decide, Oh, I'm going to take it easier today. I'm not going to care if I lose in these in jujitsu or boxing or whatever. I'm just going to yeah. like have fun. But, or, and the other side is like, no, I have to be the best every single day, because that's going to give you the higher percentage chance of winning when you actually get a fight. So it's a constant sickening battle inside your own head. And so it's hard not to identify, you know, as a fighter.
0: Especially like all the sacrifices you make too. You know, it's people don't necessarily, especially like back in the day when I first started fighting and training, people don't look at it like it's really your job. They look at it like it's a hobby, but you do miss out on a lot of really important things in life because of you know you make all those sacrifices because you're like no I have to go to the ch- the the gym no I can't come to that family picnic because I have to go sparring today um you know so everything that you do is making all these sacrifices so that you can get to where you want to be and then when you're at the point where you want to be and it's all taken away from you it it might not even be just identifying as that It's hmm. what are you going to do this it is like where you find it's it's like you're the meditation too it's it's the only place where I really feel like I'm at peace it's, mm. it's ironic you know
1: yeah I love I love training that's why even though people think I'm crazy I've been in the gym you know boxing a little bit maybe once a week um but just going into the MMA gym and trying to do what I love again even though it's super painful yeah. and Maybe a lot of doctors wouldn't think I should be doing it. It's just (laughs) from my own mind. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, That competition um, is like nothing else. Um, But I want to go into, let's go into, let's start, let's start from the beginning. Let's find out who Felice Herrig is, where you're from, how the heck did you get into fighting and uh, all the drama and interesting stories on the way to where you're at now.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I grew up in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. So it's a suburb right right outside of Chicago. Um, and so I actually grew up pretty poor, but I was super athletic. Like I wanted to be a gymnast, like so bad. And, and I was really good at track and just like really athletic, but like, I will, I
1: will will just back you up on that because remember when we had, uh, when we were out in doing the USO tour, I think we were in Italy at one point and they had like a CrossFit challenge or something like it was a military challenge. Yeah. And you did it and you went out hard the night before. You were you were hungover and you still crushed it. I'm like, yeah, no, she's you're definitely you an guys, athlete. There's no question.
0: You, you guys sacrificed me like I was nothing. Like, They're yeah. like, well, somebody's gotta do it, so might as well be police.
1: No, you're a team player. You are a team player. I was not I wasn't doing it. I was injured. I was I'm, injured. I'm I'm always injured.
0: <laughs> yeah, injured. <Jeez. laughs> I was hungover. Yeah. <laughs> But so I was always super athletic, but my parents never had money to put me in anything. And it it sucked. I watched my friends go to soccer and gymnastics and dance class. And I always wanted to do all these things. But I was really good at running, like track, high jump, long jump, triple jump. It was the only sport that really didn't cost money. So I did track. I was only sixth grader to make the team. I went to state for high jump and long jump. Um, But then when I got to high school, I had to make a decision. So I did it my freshman, sophomore year. And then once I turned 16, I had to decide to get a job or to go to track. But since my parents didn't have money and I would buy things like clothes, my prom dress, like I paid for everything on my own, my car.
1: So you were working?
0: So I was working, but I really wanted to get a track scholarship. So I always just kind of felt like I missed out on being able to be athletic and being able to compete and, you know, be the best at something. And um, so when I was 18, my brother-in-law taught at a karate school. And so there was kickboxing classes and I was always like, you know, interested in like working out like I started working out when I was in like sixth grade I wanted to be and I wanted to be like a fitness model and do all the like uh be on like the covers of the fitness magazines like (laughs) like
1: well you're kind of I mean you kind of did it I feel like you're you're kind of a fitness (laughs) model no I mean your Instagram you could do the bang shoe pics you could do you could do it all is that not considered the same thing
0: I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I kind of messed it all together yeah, now with what I do. You accomplished your
1: dream. You didn't even realize it. I just told you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, I could still compete in kickboxing. Um, so the first day I went to the kickboxing class just to do it, to work out. And all the fighters were getting ready for nationals. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight. And that's that's how I'm going to do something with my life athletically. And that's why I think I never quit. I never stopped. People, like in the beginning, I stopped. I fought. I had my first fight like three months later in nationals. And I was like the number, like the last seed. So I had to fight the number one girl. And I lost, but I just kept going and going and going. And then everyone's like, you're done fighting, right? I'm like, no, I just, I just, my journey just began. <laughs> and, like, I just kept going. and I, And I guess I think too, that's why like, Because the sport for everybody said, like, there's nothing for women. You'll never do anything in fighting. Like there's nothing there. You'll, you'll never make money. You'll never have a career. Yeah. I don't know. You know, when you just don't believe that it's like, I didn't accept that as true. I just, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I said, no, I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to do something with fighting. It's just going to happen. And it did, you know, and it, and it has like all along the way because i just i i refused to quit
1: wow that's amazing
0: down, Chris.
1: you didn't back <laughs> down i mean that's why you're on this podcast you do not back <laughs> no, down it's funny because down. so you, when you when you got into karate though you where did you get that work ethic and that that drive from did you have that in anything else leading up to that point so i don't know what happened with track getting the full scholarship going to school i don't know what what ended up happening with that did you have a good work ethic when it came to track and stuff or how are yeah. you in high school
0: So the thing is, I knew because my family, like my family, not only do we not have money, but they never pushed anything. They were never like, we want you to, you know, make something yourself. They never encouraged anyone to go to college. They never encouraged academics. Like, even when I did have track meets or kickboxing fights, like they didn't come like nothing. So I knew from a young age that if I ever wanted to have anything in life or do anything in life, that I had to have a good work ethic because- Nobody was there to hold my hand. Nobody was was there to help me along. Nobody was there to pat me on the back and say, good job, please keep going. Like I had to have like something deep down inside of me to like make me become something or, you know, become what I've, become. I've always had a good work ethic because I've had to.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess there's two ways you could go with that. It's either you just kind of give up and accept mediocrity or you freaking don't care who's watching or who's going to pat you on the back, which obviously you have that. And you're just going to work your ass off every single day. And it doesn't matter who's in the room watching you. You're you're going to be the best version of yourself or, you you know, at least trying to get to that that point, which yeah. is that's not I think that's very rare. Even for me, sometimes I feel like it's better when there's someone in the room that's watching me. If I'm <laughs> When I'm by myself, unless I have it, it's part of my attention span issues as well. But I think unless I have that written down on the wall, if I have something written down and like Longo or someone told me to do it like a strength coach, or if I decide I'm coming up with a workout on my own, if I have it up, I'll do it. I won't come. I won't, I won't stop. But if, uh, if I'm kind of like, ah, eh, let me go in the gym. I'm going to just do some things on my own. I'm like, eh, you know, I'm good. You know, I'll get some <laughs> things done. Yeah. So you're better, you're better than me, but
0: well, coach wise, it's always good to have somebody there pushing you and, you know, an audience, like if you're sparring or whatever, you're and you know, people are watching, you're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get them this time. But um, yeah, no, I've always just been very kind of uh, a loner too, because I've just done everything on my own. Even like, when I fight, like, I'm always alone, you know, nobody really came to my fights. And so now when I travel, everybody's like, Oh, I'm gonna come and support you. And I'm like, all right, I might not see you. Like don't, you know, don't be upset if I don't see you.
1: That's funny. <laughs> That's kind of how I am too. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm just so used to being alone. Like I've done everything on my on my own. You know, I've I've never really had anybody there for me. So you just kind of get used to it and you accept
1: it, you know, oh. that like, oh You're gonna make me cry.
0: <laughs> are your
1: parents like are your parents still around?
0: Yeah, they are um but they don't come to my fights
1: did they know like when you started doing really well you're on the ultimate fighter show a- any interest there did it spark any more interest
0: i mean it's not that they're not interested and it's not that they don't care it's just that they're very like stuck in their ways they live in the same house we grew up in i grew up in they've lived there for 40 something years like never been on vacation like my parents have never been on a plane like they're kind of like let's say homebodies but also like you know, and I don't. I don't like. They are who they are, and I'm not talking crap about my parents. I love my parents. I have a no, good relationship know, yeah. with my parents. They're just who they are, yeah. and they don't mean. They don't mean to not care. They just don't care the way, a lot of other parents care.
1: Well, you, <laughs> you know, know, it's it's crazy because it's amazing how things happen in our childhood, and it just sticks with us forever. Like something could happen yesterday, and I could get over it, but when you stuff. Happened to you when you're a kid, it's, it just shape shapes you. And it's just so hard to get over some of those things. Um, yeah, yeah like there, I have tons of things like that too. And it's like, man, I can't get over that. Uh, it's hard, it's hard. And, but it shapes you to who you are. I mean, the fact that, you know, they weren't at everything drove you to work harder. So it's hard to like, it's not like you, you're angry at your parents for the way they, they, they were, it's more, it made you who you are and it is what it is. You know, and that's, you're happy you're happy with who you are, right? Like Yeah. So
0: well that's the thing. If they weren't who they are, I don't know if I would be who I am. Exactly. You know, I don't know if I you know, I I see all these like, you know, people that I went to high school with that were in all these like sports, you, you know, and did well or whatever, like they almost either get burnt out or they have during, you know, as you know, they're in high school and they're already burnt out and they have oh, no yeah. desire to do anything after mm-hmm. high school. Or they, you know, they accomplished what they set out to accomplish and that was good enough for them. Yeah. But for me, I never really felt like I got to accomplish anything. So I wanted to, I guess I didn't want to be a nobody in life.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you. are so not, not a nobody.
0: <laughs> um,
1: so how do you, like, so for 18 years, I, I still want you to continue your story, but just curious, as far as motivation goes, 18 years later, where are we at with motivation? How do you, how do you stay motivated that long? Oh
0: gosh, it's been hard. There, there were times where I like almost like once I got to the UFC, I was like not motivated anymore. And sometimes I think the the journey and the uh, the unknown and like striving to get somewhere is like it's the goal, and that's what your that's where your motivation is. But then once you get there and you get someplace that you never really thought you would get, then it's like, okay, now what? Now what's the next step? Um, I think my injury has now made me more motivated. So I had two knee surgeries because the first knee surgery wasn't, my surgeon didn't do the surgery right. Mm. And I wasn't getting. What's his better. name?
1: What's his name? So we could Dr. put him on the Dr. Michelle. <laughs> Dr. Michelle. Come on, Dr. Michelle. Step up the game. Jeez. <laughs>
0: well, I, he retired and mm. then COVID happened and I couldn't even see a surgeon. So I couldn't get any second opinions on like my knee. That's a I nightmare. Yeah, it was a nightmare. And then the UFC, because it had been a year, was like, not really knocking on my door. But they're like, do you want to fight? Are you going to fight? And I was like, oh, I haven't even been able to do jujitsu. But I just kept hoping it was going to get better Mm. because I had no answers. And then pretty much did a whole training camp with uh, my meniscus had pulled out of the bone. And I had a whole training camp and fight and you know i could have backed out but i didn't want to and i guess i just kept hoping it was going to get better because like i said i got no answers as to what was going on yeah oh so how do i keep finding motivation well so having everything that i love and work for taken away from me like you miss it i've, I've had time to miss it yeah i've had time yeah. to set new goals i've had time to think differently about the sport. Mm. You know, all the things that maybe I didn't like to do as much anymore. I'm like, I don't care. I'm just happy to be at the gym. I'm just happy to be training, you know. Um, And and I've decided that I'm going to go like my career, like isn't going to end this way. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to let my injury defeat me and be like, oh, I could quit. I could, I could be done. I could decide. I don't want to, I don't want to keep going anymore, you know. But I, no, I got to come back and I got to have more fights and I'm going to retire when I want to retire.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. We're doing the same thing right now. How? Where yeah. are you at with your injury? I know you had two surgeries on your leg, but like what exactly happened and okay, and how?
0: So you never wear boxing shoes to wrestling practice.
1: Oh, is, it, is there a big difference? I know they're just higher up on the ankle, right?
0: No, that's what you would think. There's actually the grips. There's more grips on the side. Oh, So I was wearing boxing because a lot of times I go straight from one practice to the next, you know, Mm -hmm. like I had a boxing session and then I had wrestling and it's like, so I was just drilling, I was just shooting in for a double leg and my foot got stuck and my knee didn't, my leg didn't travel with the rest of my body. And so it like hyperextended. I fully tore my ACL, my meniscus, I tore my LCL, MCL, PCL um the surgeon did so they took tissue from my hamstring to make a graft. how bad was fix- the
1: pain on that when you did, was it was an instant yeah. terrible or not bad
0: no that's why it's like too it's like it seemed like but the recovery time is terrible but it yeah. it wasn't that bad i got up and i was like hoping i could just shake it off and go back to practice and then i was like uh and then it it got really swollen the next couple days and yeah. i got an mri and um, and everything you know, like I just felt like there was this sharp pain, like that just wouldn't get that Like I couldn't like hop, I couldn't step, like I couldn't bend without like the sharp pain. And I just kept. I would talk to my surgeon, I talked to my physical therapist, and my doctor literally said, "Hmm, I don't know." And he gave me no like maybe this, maybe that. Like I don't know why really? you're feeling that. Thing. Yes, wow. really. And so I just, it was supposed to be like a six to nine month recovery. And I just kept hoping it would get better and it just wasn't. And nobody could give me answers. And then it was a year later and I was still in pain. And then again, like I said, COVID happened. So I couldn't see a new surgeon because you could only like, they were only taking emergency patients and then actual patients that were theirs. So I had no answers. Oh, and I kept getting bone contusions And like, I would go get MRIs. From what?
1: From working out or just, they would just appear? From
0: working out. Every time, like, you know, like the process is like, every time I would feel like I was at a level to like, try to add something else or try to work harder, I would take like one step forward and take like five steps back because it would be like, then all this inflammation and pain. And like I said, bone contusions and Mm -hmm. I just kept getting MRIs and, but nothing was showing up in the MRIs. So basically my, my surgeon, like when I finally found a good surgeon, cause I got stem cells to hopefully be like, maybe yeah. stem cells will help.
2: Yeah.
0: He noticed something was wrong with, you know, he thought the meniscus, but he also said there's a tendon that's overlooked. And when you have like a big, like impact fall, um, usually from sports, there's something called a post lateral corner. It's not the, the PCL. It's a PLC. So it stretches like a band. And unless you actually tighten it up and fix it, it will never stretch back. And so I would always have instability in my knee. I never would have been able to fight again. I always would have kept having problems. So he ended up fixing that. But because I kept training with it the way it was, and I would literally take like six ibuprofen a day just to get through like a practice. Mm. And so then I thought, like, I finally felt like, good, I'm not crazy, too. Yeah. Especially as an athlete, like, we have higher pain tolerance. Like, we know when something's wrong. Yeah. We know when our body's not right. Yeah. But also, like, accepting. I couldn't accept that, like, okay, so nobody's telling me anything's wrong with me, so I just have to keep hoping it's going to get better, and I just keep training and doing what I can, but I knew that I would, I couldn't even do jujitsu. jitsu <laughs> The fight that I ended up taking was against a jujitsu black belt. I couldn't even do jujitsu because of like the pain I couldn't like push off of it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't hop on the leg. I don't, I don't know why I didn't pull out. Well, I actually do know why I didn't pull out. It's because, you know, like when you haven't fought for so long and then like you start, like you have no money <laughs> and then yeah. I fought, but I kind of, I used that insurance to then now I got a new knee surgery and, um I go get stem cells again one last time in two weeks. And I yeah. mean, well, hopefully this will,
1: you know, this will do. The so training. when, when do you think you'll be back fighting if everything goes right?
0: Oh, hopefully like October ish.
1: All right. So you're right there. Are you, I, are you able to train right now? Like full out? Are you able to do everything?
0: Oh yeah. I'm training full out. I'm just at that kind of last little, like 5% where like, and it's, it's, I, I've kind of turned a corner these past few weeks. Um, but there's like like almost like a pinching pain in the back of the knee mm. but a lot of it too it's it's not necessarily the knee it's like it's pulling you know your hamstrings get super tight and you got to work out the hamstrings and you got to build up quad strength and you got to do this and you got to do that but I've been training full out I mean there's no limitations I have I've been sparring I've been grappling um I'm doing everything and I don't really i just did an eight minute mile on saturday nice, yeah that's not like a whoa that's like a great mile for me but it's a good you're like d-
1: yeah are you kidding me you had two two surges yeah, know? And you're, and yeah. You're running
0: like, yeah i could tell running. you that i'm
1: not running anything close to an eight minute mile right now so you got me you got me crushed <laughs> um and, and
0: no pain like it's not like i'm just like pushing through you know what i mean like okay i can do this i can do this i'm gonna push myself like i I can do it without pain. Yeah
1: how you, know? you how how do you deal with it like mentally? Obviously, like it's it's a lot when like you said, you know, you're you're injured. No one seems to care that much. You know, you, it's not like uh, you know you're just watching all these girls continue to fight. Like, how, how do you deal with it mentally to get through it?
0: Um. Well, I stopped really watching fights. I don't watch fights a lot unless it's like you know, mm. friend or whatever It's fighting. Um, and that's just because I don't I don't want to be sad. You know. But um, I actually did a lot of reading. I remember I saw that you had were reading a lot of books. Um, mm-hmm. The book that helped me the most, because I, I was a train wreck after the first surgery. Like, ooh, like I tried to do an interview with Fred Akamoto, and I like bawled. I'm like, why did I do that interview? Like, like I just was so sad. I was so sad, you know. And then after, I think once I finally had answers, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, because the first surgery wasn't like I just never felt good, and I was like, "I'm never going to be able to fight again." This doesn't feel right. But after I got answers, like I, I changed my mindset. I like I read the book, like the power of the subconscious mind. Like, oh, I, I,
1: I have that book. I haven't read it yet.
0: Yeah, no, I like I had gotten it when I knew I was getting surgery, and then I saved it because I wanted to have something to read while you know was in bed recovering, and it just changed my whole mindset. And I, and I decided to be, you know, happier and positive, more positive. And I was, and like more things started coming to me. And like, I didn't have as many like financial issues anymore because, you know, sponsor would be like, Oh, I'll pay you this to post and I'll do that. You know, I, I really noticed that when I changed like my mindset, like good things started happening and like, even with like, you know, with training and I just, just kept a more positive outlook and, um. That really
1: like was like the deciding factor in in everything. Yeah, there you go. I think having, yeah, I think being positive, just trying to really keep that mindset is everything, you know. And I think perspective, yeah. realizing that it really isn't that bad. There's always so many people out there that have it way worse. Um yeah. and no matter how bad it is, there's always someone who has it worse. So I feel like sometimes looking at them allows you not to feel bad for yourself anymore, you know, and, and to really just be grateful where you're at. And then right. uh, a positive mindset I think moving forward
0: because we went on that first USO tour and then when I, w- I went on a second one
1: and I can't I- believe you got invited back twice I didn't get invited back twice
0: because so, yeah. <laughs> they're, pro- they're limited to girls they don't have very many girls who want to go
1: <laughs> you're more <laughs> fun, fun than- you're more fun than me you're more fun <laughs> I
0: don't think so we were a good team you were fun we were we were
1: we are, yeah it was a good time it was a good time it
0: was that was a whole good team in yeah. general. So then I went there and I went to um, the Robert Reed hospital and somebody had literally just lost his leg. And we, we went and we got to like meet all these people. And that was perspective that like, I guess I don't have it so bad, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Things have just been looking up and you will see me fighting in 2021.
1: (laughs) I believe it. I definitely believe it. I know. I know. Um, What is it like to be a girl in mixed martial arts from the beginning till now? Like I could go, I could show up to any random gym and get some training in. Um mm-hmm. what's that like for a girl to do that?
0: Things are now being a girl now in the, in the sport of MMA is so different than it was when I first started because when I first started there were no opportunities for women. So people didn't take women seriously. If you're a woman who shows up to the gym, guys are really looking at you like fresh meat. They're what? thinking that- what yes. What do you mean? I um, mean, when you're young, because I oh. started fighting when I was 18. Are you so, kidding like, no, me? Or, no. What kind of guys
1: knows. are there? Like, I didn't, I, I've never met a guy like that before.
0: Are you joking?
1: That's disgusting. Where are you <laughs> from? This is <laughs> Illinois. Disgusting. Oh, I'm never going there. <laughs> I love that. I got you. You actually believe me.
0: Um, <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Is he serious?
1: Yeah, no, I'm not no, I'm serious like so- at all. It's that's actually, that's why I'm asking you because I, I can't imagine going to a random jujitsu gym and then like, all right, you're starting from the guard. And, yeah. you know, it's like, all right, this guy um, so is just trying to, you know, how, how many weird oh. things have you had happen like that?
0: Mm, it's not so much that it's more so that like you want people to, I've always like gone to the gym and I want to work out and I want to work hard, but a lot of girls who would go didn't really want that. And then it's like, I'd always be the only girl. And then like the, the coaches or guys, like they make you feel like, Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to work with you. And then it starts getting weirder and they like make weird comments and they try to make it like, Oh, I want to sleep with you. And then if you like, kind of like, them in check then they don't work with you anymore and so then you're like now what like i've had to leave a lot of gyms because of that that is crazy
1: yeah like oh this this coach is amazing this this other mma fighter is amazing like he's helping me out or whatever and then just to come to find out the little flirtatious comments start coming and and then (laughs) then they finally make their move and then it's like now you guys are fighting and they hate you you know
0: yeah and then you can't go there anymore get out of here yeah and then I remember, you know, I remember I would be, like, warming up with all, like, the guys, too. And, like, sometimes, like, some of the guys were mean. Like, I remember one guy, and I won't say his name because he was a USC fighter. He'd be like, oh, I could see your dick. Like, I could see your dick hanging out, police. You know, like, just trying to, like, kind of not make me feel like I'm, like, one of them. Like, just, I, just making me, like, in an uncomfortable environment. You know, like, m- most people wouldn't want to go back. God, what, no a what a loser that dude was! What a loser! Yeah,
1: I, I feel yeah. like any like if a girl comes to the gym and there's twelve guys in there, maybe one or two girls. Like I feel like guys, it's their responsibility to to make sure that they feel comfortable because it's it's an uncomfortable thing. I would imagine walking to a gym yeah. and it's you and maybe one other girl if, if if you're lucky, and all these guys. And so for I can't even imagine somebody, especially a guy in the UFC, to do that. What a what a piece of dirt.
0: I think a lot of the guys, too, when there weren't opportunities for women, you know, women weren't in the UFC. And Dana White would always say women will never be in the UFC. Um, I think it was almost like, well, why am I going to, like, invest time into her? Like, she'll never go anywhere in this sport. You know, she'll never do anything with this. Or they look at you and they don't think that you're really that dedicated or disciplined. But it's like, dude, I'm here every freaking day. You know, I go to work, like, you know, for so long, it's not like I was making all this money and fighting. Like I go to work every day and then I go straight to the gym, you know, and and I was there every day and I would always train just as hard. I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't, Oh no, I can't do that. Like I would train hard. So you would think that guys would respect you more, but that wasn't always the case.
1: What else are we talking about Felice? So it, I was only supposed to be able to record for I think 40 minutes. forty minutes. I'm not supposed to, and then like I hit no, some something popped up, and it was like, we're gonna do you a favor today, and uh, we're gonna allow you to go longer than forty minutes. So I think oh, we're free. They want,
0: up, they want you to pay for the upgrade. They want me to pay for
1: the upgrade. Yeah, minutes. it, it yeah. ain't happening. I'm cheap as hell.
0: No. <laughs> um,
1: Troy, Troy's got to pay for that. Um, what else we could? What else can we talk about? Is there anything else that you want to uh, talk about? Mm.
0: Well, the only thing I thought about was because you were asking, like, where I came from and stuff. And yeah. you were saying, that, like, you get shaped, like, based on, like, you remember things when you're younger. But, mm-hmm. like, also, um, so my brother died when I was seven. And I don't know, like, I feel Damn. like, and I don't know if I'm the only.
1: Sorry to hear that. That must yeah, be not- so hard.
0: It was. He so was two. He was two and a half. Yeah. Oh. So sometimes I, I also feel like that, you know, shaped me a little bit too. Um, but I don't, I don't know if other fighters, like I have, like, I feel like as I'm older, like I have like almost like post-traumatic stress. Like it bothers me more now than it did. Like it gets worse as I get older. And I feel like maybe I never like figured that out.
1: Man, I have to go talk to somebody. <laughs> I don't, you talk I don't to know.
0: About it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, maybe I can. That up. <laughs> I got.
1: I do have my bachelor, bachelor's in uh, psychology, so I could I could walk you right through this. You do. Are you blown away by that? Am I super smart now in your eyes? No. And I got my I... master's in something as well, but it doesn't sound as good as psychology. So I just we'll just leave it at that. I got my master's degree too, Felice. In what? <laughs> <sighs> Physical education. Gym. <laughs> you're gym a teacher, team. basically. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. Gym teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but psychology was my undergrad, so super smart.
0: Is that something that like you
1: use know what I for thinking. fighting?
0: Yeah, well, because uh, I started talking to like the I have talked to therapists and I talked to like uh, no even like the UFC therapists, but they're like they're wanting to talk about like you know more sports performance stuff, which makes sense. But I also feel like if I could get down to the root of like some other things, maybe that'll help like yeah overall
1: i'm with you you need to get it off your chest the stuff that you're like really thinking about like the stuff that happened to you when you were a kid as far as like your little brother and your parents these are all things that shaped you into who you are so it's not like you're you're mad at anybody for it because you're thankful because it made you who you are but at the end of the day you need to talk about those issues probably to make yourself feel like you got over it understand that it happened and you could move on. Right.
0: Yeah. But that's why I feel like sometimes like I do have the anxiety that I have, like I've always like wanted, like wanted to help fix my anxiety. And I feel like that's the key, you know, but trying to find like a way to talk about and cope with it and almost like accept it and be like, that was then. And this is now. This is probably a different podcast. It's I don't right.
1: know why I but No, no, no. This is good. No. <laughs> but what, what's the deal with your anxiety? How bad is your anxiety when you experience it?
0: It's so bad. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's worse now. And okay. So I finally found a therapist who I thought was helping me. But then he started telling me he loved me. So I had to leave him. I'm like, why are you telling me you love? Yes. It's the weirdest Stop. thing. He was
1: literally like in love with you. He fell in love with you.
0: No, he didn't say that, but before we would go off, he'd be like, please, just, you know, I love you. And I'm like, okay.
1: Was he feeling, do you think he was saying that to help you? Like she needs to feel like she needs to hear from me that I love her.
0: That's what I think. I think he thought that like, because like, because of past experiences or whatever, that I needed to hear that, but I didn't need to hear it from him because it made me uncomfortable and made Mm. me feel a certain type of way that I did not want to share these things with him. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But he did tell me that like, when you're a kid and you experience trauma and it's like, and it gives you anxiety and you're always in that fight or flight where you feel like, Oh my gosh, like anxious, whatever. It's like post-traumatic stress. So it carries on in, into your adult life. So when something small happens, even though it's so simple to a lot of people, it gives you anxiety because every, you know, when things like that happen to you as a kid, you felt like that. So now like as an adult, that's like your go-to reaction is to feel like anxious mm. and to feel like it's the end of the world. And so he was telling me about like, like almost like a psychotherapy, like psychosis or something. So like there's, there's ways where you can like, reverse it but i don't know how like
1: hypnotism and stuff did he try that with you
0: well he said that you have to be like it you would have to do it in person i was talking to him over like video skype type thing
1: oh you know uh so he was saying he was looking at you on zoom and saying i love you i just want to let you know i love you
0: but it was weird it was like it wasn't like oh i love you hey girl i love you it was like hey felice i love you (laughs) and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so i don't know maybe have troy edit all this out it's probably not relevant i probably don't well, no go ahead
1: I'm just, we're just bsing at this point to be honest which go is it, maybe it's good for the podcast maybe it's not but we could always edit it out yeah listen everybody has issues everybody if if someone's <laughs> acting as if they don't have issues they're just not putting it out there for people to see everybody's got their own issues, everybody. So you can't feel alone. Like, Oh my God, I'm dealing with anxiety. I sound crazy about this. This therapist is saying, I love you. Yeah. Are you kidding me? If someone can't understand where you're coming from with that, they're not being real with themselves. Yeah. So but screw, screw everybody else. Are you kidding me? Everybody, I got plenty of issues. Everyone has issues.
0: But that's the thing with like, even when I was telling you about like the cortisol and stuff, like that's why I like, I do get sick a lot and I get, My cortisol gets depleted a lot, yes, from like overtraining, but a lot of it is from the anxiety. Because when you have anxiety, you're in fight or like anxiety is like fight or flight mode. Mm. And so when you go into fight or flight mode, you deplete your cortisol and then fight like I've had adrenaline dumps in fights where I like I couldn't like move. And that's when I started working with my doctor who did all these labs. And he was like, Elise, he's like, you have like your cortisol levels, are like completely depleted. And, um, yeah, but most it's funny it, because feel-
1: you come off as happy, go lucky. Like you come off as like a fun girl, happy, go lucky, super cool. I wouldn't think you have anxiety issues. And I think that's the problem really? is that a lot of people, they're, they're good at hiding it. You don't come off as someone that appears to have all this anxiety that you're struggling with at all zero.
0: That's and that's crazy. the problem.
1: A lot of people are like that and they just, they're able to hide it, you know?
0: Well, I think I'm like, not
1: saying you're hiding it. I'm not saying are you are you going <laughs> to go into that. Uh, but I'm just saying you're not it's not like everybody can see that.
0: It's weird cuz I feel like cuz I get really hyper and stuff and I like feel like people are like anxiety, anxiety. That's what that no, is. Like it might not it's be more an like anxiety, fun, one.
1: happy, good lucky, <laughs> just like good personality, fun, energetic. That's I think the way it comes off.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. And it's not like I'm not like there's different parts of who people are, you know, I am like when I'm out in the pub, you know, when I'm around people and I'm being happy and all that, like, that's genuine. I'm like in the moment happy. Mm -hmm. But I think that's because I don't have time to think about other things. You know, I don't have time to really like, maybe have anxiety. I mean, I guess I still have anxiety in certain situations. But um, I even think like, as an athlete, like sometimes, maybe for me too, That when you're trained, like you can only train so much time during the day. And then the rest of the day, it's like, what do you do with yourself? And sometimes you have so much time to, to stew, you know, and, uh, to think and to go down like these rabbit holes.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: I think I do that.
1: (laughs) What have you done to try to deal with your anxiety? What things have you tried? I'm sure you tried a lot of different things.
0: Um, the biggest thing that has helped me is when I get my my blood work done or my, you know, try to balance my chemicals out um, with like the, you know, a lot of times the anxiety is also because my estrogen and progesterone are like out of whack. So I take like a supplement called estromine and progestamine like mid, uh, like in the middle of the, you know, at night. And then in the morning, I take my adrenal complex of that. But I've talked to therapists. I've talked to like sports psychologists, therapists. I read. I like my routine. And I like to go, I sit at my coffee place like every day and I read. But that's, I get more anxiety as my, I think as my schedule gets like busier and busier and I don't have time to do that, I get more anxious, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't. I can't do this. And now I have, I have more anxiety. Um, what else have I done? I've seen Chinese medicine doctors to give me like herbal supplements. Um, and I noticed my anxiety was not as bad when, um, like during my injury and recovery, I think I just accepted. Like, I think guilt is a big part of anxiety. If I'm not training, like now I have like all these different trainers too. Like, you know, cause I go to my MMA gym, but then I also go to my boxing gym and then I go to, I do all my strength training and then I go, you know, and i to go to jujitsu. So like, if I'm like, let's say I have my schedule and I'm like, this is my schedule and I plan it out. And like Thursday I train with my, you know, MMA coach and he's like, okay, let's hit pads tomorrow. And then I'm like, okay. okay. Um, Even though know, I was supposed to go to boxing, but okay. Like. I get this guilt that, like, oh, I didn't like. They're thinking something of me, like they're.
1: She's not committed.
0: So she's not. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I that's a, no, that pisses yes.
1: me off more than anything. I, yeah, I'm with you because they have so no that, idea. Yeah, go ahead.
0: When go ahead. I didn't like when I was recovering from my knee surgery, it was like it was very straightforward. Like I could only like every day I was committed and every day I would do my knee exercises and my, you know, I would put my, you know, the stem and the, the, the leg boots and the icing and I did everything for recovery, but I didn't have to think so much, you know? And I didn't feel like I was getting pulled in all these different directions. Mm. And I think, I think really I needed to almost have conviction and be like, this is my schedule and not let anyone else make me feel guilty about it. And not that they're trying to make me feel guilty. You know, it's just like, I feel like with coaches, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Oh, you trained yesterday. Well, you didn't train with me. So you didn't train. I know.
1: You, you're you the one that's in charge of your career. There's only one Felice Herrick and you've accomplished tons <laughs> in your career. And the people in the gym, for the most part, will probably look up to you and um, will never be able to accomplish the things you've accomplished. And in order to accomplish more, you need to be like, I'm doing what is best for me. You need to be selfish. Like you cannot worry about yeah. anybody else's feelings. Like the strength coach is upset because you didn't go to him and you're set to go with him on Monday and you decided to do jujitsu or you decided to take an off day. I don't know where you called him like an hour before.
2: Yeah.
1: I deal with this crap all the time. And it bothers me a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's like, you have to realize in your head, you're a hard-ass worker. You wouldn't be where you are without that. So if anybody's questioning your work ethic, screw them. You know, yeah. That's their own insecurity or, or them just trying to be a good coach, being on top of you. You know, And it's annoying because when you are hard work and you're doing everything you possibly can... To be the best you you can, can be and you got you know the strength coach or the jiu-jitsu coach calling you up as if you're kind of not working hard and he has no idea what <laughs> you're doing and what you're dealing with and the pains and the and, and everything um don't worry about them at all it's you that's it that's it it's about you and getting your training in and they're on the and team but think- they're not and they have to trust you they have to trust you that you're doing the best you possibly can every day And if your if your body's telling you not to go to jujitsu today, don't go to jujitsu today. And you can't feel bad about the you're not not going.
0: I think that's the problem. Is I I do feel bad, and I need to like find a way to be like, well, why why do I feel bad? Like I I'm listening to my body. Like that's smart because there's been times where like, for instance, my ACL, I felt terrible that day, and I went to the gym and I tore my ACL yeah you know and um so i like yeah i know it's like i do i have to trust my body and then i feel like because i have this routine if i break if i'm like well i was supposed to box on friday and now i'm doing jujitsu i almost feel like i didn't train because i'm like i was supposed to box today
1: you know you gotta move right on you gotta move on i'm the same. i'm actually the same way with i'm kind of very similar with that i feel bad too and i when i have my schedule set like i'm doing that and But that's what makes us, I think, high level is because when we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. But when it falls apart and and it just so happens not to make sense to go to this next workout, you can't be afraid or to open up your mouth and say, "Hey, I can't," you know, spar today. My knee's killing me. It's not smart. You should be able to say that with a clear conscience without worrying about what they're thinking of you. And um, and at the end of the day, I think we're all human. We're probably going to feel that way anyway. But at least me as a fighter telling you as a fighter. I deal with the same crap and it's all bullshit. It's all about you and you're where you're at for a reason. You're a hard ass worker and you're going to do what's best for you. And every coach has to understand that, you know, it is tough when you have multiple coaches. I deal with the same stuff.
0: It does make me feel better when I hear it from another person like you. Like, I mean, I should feel okay. Like not, you know, hearing it, but like, you know, outside perspective from somebody who Mm. actually knows. Yeah. helps. Yeah, you know, like I wouldn't go to, but like I couldn't go to my dad and tell him this stuff because then if he tells me and he could tell me the same thing you told me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen because I'm like, yeah, you don't know, you haven't been through it, like (laughs) you know, yeah, you know,
1: it goes for the same thing with like anxiety, unless it is, it's you know, you start feeling like you're a crazy person, but you don't, you don't realize that everybody's dealing with crap like this, you know, and I'm a fighter who deals with the same stuff you deal with and. It's normal to feel that way, but you know where you have to be and that's it. It's completely normal to start feeling bad, but as long as you know in your head, like you understand why you feel bad and why you really shouldn't feel bad, that's it. And you move on.
0: That's what mindful, like mindfulness, I've been trying to work on like a lot of mindfulness and stuff. Like you can have a thought and you like, you you listen, you accept it and then you just let it go. Like always trying to be in the present, but that's hard. You know, you're not supposed to think about the past. You're not supposed to dwell in the past. You're not supposed to think too much on the future. Like you're supposed to be like right here right now, but, yeah. um, it's not always, that's not always
1: easy. Yeah. But are you, but, con- are, yeah. I feel like you're pretty good in the, I feel like you're pretty good in the present. I feel like you're in the moment. Right like now, that, yeah. in, No, but in that moment, <laughs> no, but in the, in the moment when you're, you know, feeling bad that you're not going to jujitsu, I mean, you're in the moment. It's not because you're thinking about the past or the future, really, right? It's more that you're just feeling guilty yeah. because you're not sticking with your routine. This coach might be thinking you're not working as hard as you should. And there's nothing that tears apart a fighter, especially someone who does work hard. N- nothing tears us apart more than finding out like someone thinks we're not working hard. Like I feel like that pisses me off more than anything. Yeah. And and they don't know really what's going on. Like I like, bro, if I could do it, I'm there. But I yeah. have issues right now. Like, I'm, like, why do I have to explain this? But this is, that is something that we all deal with.
0: I think I'm maybe a little bit more of a, a baby fighter too. Like maybe I, I, I kind of need like coaches to be vocal. Like if I'm doing a good job, like I, I like to hear I'm doing a good job. <laughs> you know, like I don't yeah, me, know if you're me like too.
1: that. Like, no, I, me too. Oh, yeah. Longo's, yeah. Longo's pretty, Longo used to be better at that. Now he's he doesn't say many nice things about me anymore
0: really I'm
1: kidding kidding. this this is a part of the podcast that's going to stay up here just so I can make him feel bad
0: (laughs) my boxing coach is really good at that and I think too mentally that's why like I love training with him is because I mean if I do shit like if I'm not doing good that day or I'm doing something wrong he will tell me you know and he will push me but if i'm doing something good or if i'm hitting hard or if my you know technique is really good like he'll tell me that and it's, i think it's encouraging and i think yeah. that that's like the relationship like you want like with a with a coach too you know
1: yeah. yeah i think there's all different types of coaches and i think some coaches are good for some athletes and some coaches are better for other athletes you know mm-hmm. some coaches some people just relate better to someone basically, you know, breaking them down every single second and telling them yeah. how bad, you know, how they're not working hard and they need to be pushed harder. Uh, if I'm hearing that, I am not happy. Like I, I don't no. I, I don't respond well. I'll just, I'm be like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not working hard now. Like I, I It wouldn't elevate my game.
0: No, that would like depress me. It wouldn't. Yeah. That doesn't pump me up or motivate me breaking me down. Like, Breaking me down is good. Like I, I really, I'm like one of those fighters. I like to grind. I like to work hard. Like I like to be pushed. Like you can get in my face and be like, "Come on, you got one more. You got one more." But not like, "Come on, pussy. Come on, is that yeah, all you got?" Like yeah. I don't respond to that. Yeah. But like encouraging me, like, "Yeah, like come on, you yeah. can do it. You can do it." Like that encourages me. But not like negative. Like you can't like get down on me and make me feel like I'm not working hard. Then I'll just. I'll probably cry. I don't really cry at the gym a lot. I have a really good poker face.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me. I, I think me too. Um, well, it was awesome talking to you. I think you have a crazy story. In two thousand seven, you were on some MMA something with oxygen. I have no idea what that is.
0: No, it was Muay Kai. It was Fight Girls. Oh. I was on a reality show called Fight Girls. Yeah, it was uh Gina Carano and uh she was like my mentor. She was my coach on the show. And then I was on Chuck Norris's World Combat League and like yeah, I did all kinds of stuff like in my early days as like a kickboxer.
1: That's But crazy. um
0: yeah. But I didn't really know what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> like
1: I think you you nailed it. I think you we talked about we talked about a lot of stuff. I don't even know. All I know is I gotta take the biggest piss ever.
2: All right. And I'm we'll holding have, it. Yeah, I've had it. I'm at it. Well,
1: uh, Felice Heverig, thank you for coming on my <laughs> show. Won't back down and I uh, yeah, uh, will see. Go release yourself.
2: Soon.
1: I love this conversation with Felice. She really is an amazing person, um, has gone through a lot, uh, tons of adversity, and not too many people have known about it. So I was super excited to get that out there. Um, I also love that she talked about dealing with anxiety and how she's overcoming those obstacles. Um, Those are one of those things that people don't like to talk about, just things that you're having issues with mentally. But it's something that we all deal with on a day-to-day basis. We all have things that are going on. And so it was really just warming to hear her be so honest. And I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Again, if you want to go check out some highlights from that interview, just head on over to the Chris Wybin YouTube channel, where I also have a new video out where I'm talking about this crazy Conor McGregor leg break that just happened. We'll also put a link to it in the show notes of today's podcast. And while you're looking at those, please also remember to give Won't Back Down a follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts, that's even better. Okay, guys and girls, that's enough for me. I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.